You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. It's Robin McMahon here, and I have another really special guest for you. I have John Sovek here with me, and he is a nationally recognized topic expert on creating LGBTQ-affirming care and works with the LGBTQ teens in the coming out process to discover their uniqueness as they explore their true identity. I love this. Through his work, he helps clients develop awareness and openness, provides practical tools for both parents and teens, and assists in building a close and supportive family connection. John, thank you for being here and for talking about this really important topic. Oh, thank you, Robin. I'm so excited to be here and share with you and your listeners. I think this is going to be fun. Yeah, I think so too. And I have not talked about this uh, issue or this uh, topic, I would say, in parenting uh, in, on my podcast yet. And uh, and it's something that I've wanted to for a while. So, um, you know, I think that this is one of those topics that parents can really worry about, be scared about, um, have lots of big emotions about, right? And do you see that with um, the parents that you that you work with that have teens that are LGBTQ? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the thing that's amazing, and even in parents that are very like LGBTQ affirming in their communities, when their kid comes out, it can be even challenging for them. And there are lots of highs and lows and wonderful moments of excitement and wonderful moments of like sitting with your partner in bed at night, whispering to each other, like, are we okay? Are you okay? Are they okay? And I think it is. It's a very, very emotional process for everybody in the family. Yeah. So, I mean, so we just kind of dive right in. What do you do to support your child in their coming out? Well, for me, I think the most basic level of support that you can start with is simply to love them for exactly who they are. Um, If you look online, there are hundreds and thousands of videos of kids who have filmed their coming out story. And Mm. the ones that seem to go the best are the ones where the parent just looks at them and hugs them and says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And that right there is that basic first step that you as a parent can take to bring that child that you have raised from an infant into your arms and just hold them and let your hearts beat together for just a moment. That to me is the absolute most beautiful, perfect first step any parent can take. Mm, That is beautiful. Oh my gosh. The fact that you just said, let your hearts beat together for a minute. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And that's the hope, right? That's what you want for every parent to do is to to stop what they're doing and say, okay, I love you. I love you no matter what. And that's the beautiful thing you just said, stop what they're doing. Yes. As a parent, your brain is going to be going like a million miles a minute. When your kid says I'm gay, I'm bisexual, I'm trans, I'm non-binary, your brain is going to be on overload. And what I invite parents to do is drop into your heart in that moment and just be with that child, that child, everything else goes away and you're just with them for that moment. There's going to be a lot of space and a lot of process for the stuff that's going on in the brain. But at that moment, the least important part of the connection with your kid. Yeah, exactly. So ignore the, the noise in your head and just 
okay, I got to be here for my child, the human that I love, the beautiful person who I gave birth to, or who, you know, who, who is in my family, who is my child, right? No matter how they came to your family, that's, that's irrelevant, <laughs> Absolutely. But, but just the love, okay, the love and the connection and put aside your fear, because let's be honest, it's all fear. It's all fear that's, that's washing over you, you know, in the, in that moment with your, with, with all those things that you're hearing in your head. Well, yeah. And that's the thing that I think, even with the most well-meaning and supportive parents, there are going to be fears that come into play. You know, I remember when I came out to my parents, you know, it wasn't a challenging experience, but my mom did talk to me later and she said, are you sure? Because this can be a really hard life for you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but mom, it's, it's who I am. It's the only life I can live. Um, But yeah, her fear showed up because she was concerned about all the things that she thought could go wrong with my life simply by me being openly gay. And it came from a place of love. And fortunately, she was smart enough not to ask it at the moment. She talked about it later. Um, But I think every parent, whether it's sending them away to summer camp, whether it's sending them away to college, whether it's, you know, finding out that they you know, have a secret Instagram account that you didn't know about, you have fear for your children. You mm-hmm. always want the best. And I think it's so important for parents to realize that when a kid comes out, they are still going to be that best version of themselves. There's still tons of potential in front of them. This is just one more facet of who they are. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't define who they are. It, you know, um, and, and that's, that's so true. In fact, when, when your child comes out, they're going to be able to live the truest form of themselves because that's out of the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a parent, don't you want your parent, your child to live the best life possible? Isn't that your deepest heartfelt dream? Mm-hmm. And it's important to hold on to that. And it's also vital for parents to understand that there is a huge process that's going on. Um, When I work with families where kids have just come out, I like to point out to both the kid who's come out and to the parents that there may be a grieving process going on. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when your child's born, um, they hand you into the hospital, you look into your baby's eyes and you project forward an entire lifetime for that child. You see them like going to college and, you know, playing the clarinet and buying a house next door to you with a white picket fence and, uh, and, uh, and a golden retriever and three grandkids. And you project that forward based on whatever your framework of living is. Yeah. And when kids come out for a lot of parents, that dream shatters. And in that moment, it's important to understand they may not be grieving or feeling bad about their actual kid in front of them. What they're grieving is the shattering of that dream. Yeah, And for most kids, when they come out, they've had time to process it. They've been thinking about it. They've been feeling it. It's been coursing through their body. Mm -hmm. But when they hand it off to somebody else and they come out, they're in that shock phase and grief can be a really big response in that moment. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. My goodness. Uh, And I think it also speaks to how um, as parents, we often run our own agenda for our kids too, right? Like we know what we want for them. And Mm -hmm we got to like, it's not about us. It's about them. Right. And that's a sort of attitude check. I think for all of us as parents, right. We can't run our own agenda. We can have the best intentions for our kids, but it's their life, not yours. Well, and it's fascinating to think about the idea that LGBTQ kids are one of the few minority statuses that are raised in a household where their minority presence is not represented in the parental unit. Okay. Oh my goodness. So I'm a queer kid, but both my parents are cisgender heterosexual. 
So I do not see myself represented in my family. And this is the same with trans kids. Um, and it's a really fascinating thing that most parents actually don't conceptualize. Because if I'm a kid from a community of color, I will often see my status represented in my parents. But with LGBTQ status, with exploration of sexual orientation, gender identity, if I look up to those people who are, you know, the pinions of my life, I don't see that status represented in them in most cases. That's so interesting. And, and as parents, we are the original model for our kids, right? We have mirror neurons in our brains. We're always looking to those who are more experienced than us to, you know, show us what to do and where to go. And that is a very interesting, really interesting point that you bring up. That's a really interesting point. So what does that mean though? Does that mean that they struggle more? Does that, is it, what does that mean really? Well, it means that kids are going to be looking elsewhere for their potential role models, for the people who are going to say, oh, I'm bisexual. I'm looking for bisexuality out in the world. Where is it represented? It's represented a blog. It's rest represented on the Insta account. It's represented by someone doing video blogs. It's represented by a character on a, on a CW show. They're going to be looking for that representation out in their community. And it's important for parents to also, if their kid has come out, to join them in those venues. It's like, okay, you've come out as bisexual. Like, what does that mean for you? How does that look in your world? Not asking for a definition of bisexuality, but seeing how it plays out in that kid's world. It's like, well, you know how I love watching that one show? Well, there's a character that's bisexual. Do you want to watch with me? And parents need to be like... Okay, I don't want to watch a show on the CW, but I'm going to sit down with my kid and watch because they've told me this character is something that they that emulates for them. Um, and also, I'd understand too, especially in young adult literature these days, um, LGBTQ, LGBTQ characters are highly represented all across the spectrum. And it's really fascinating to see where this particular medium has gone because the characters are treated like it's just a beautiful part of the universe that these characters mm -hmm. walk through. So if someone's, you know, a guy and a girl are walking side by side and the girl says, oh, that guy's handsome. And the guy says, yeah, he is kind of handsome. Nobody makes a big like, oh, you know, glass, you know, taking a big gasp or like, what do you mean? People are just like very casual about it. And it's really important for parents to understand that this exists in their kid's environment and maybe sit down and talk about like the literature they're doing, the music they're listening to, and just see where it plays out in your kid's world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think we're seeing it more and more and more. There's, there almost isn't a show, a modern show that doesn't have a gay character or uh, bisexual or trans, you know, it's, it's, it's really becoming more normalized. And so that's got to be a great thing for, for the community at large. I'm going to pause you a second because I want to be careful um, some of the language you use. Yeah. And actually we talked about this ahead of time. I just, can I, yeah. So you're so, so, and, and I should just say, this is the deal we had. I know that I don't know everything um, about the subject and how could I know? There's going to be people listening. Um, I was hoping that I could say that uh, later when I, when I was going to ask you about what LGBTQ and what non-binary gender non-conform, all that stuff. I was going to ask you that and say, I don't know what I'm talking about, but now you stop me. So stop me and tell me Tell it's me okay. where, where, I'm, where I'm wrong, because I don't know. Because I we don't got know. one early on, and it's a subtle one, but I want parents to be aware of how these subtleties influence and affect Good. their kids. It's the word normalize. Because <gasps> if we okay. use the word normalize, what we're doing is we're actually othering the status of our kid. 
We're saying there's something other, but I need to learn how to make it normal. Just like I don't encourage parents to say, use the word, I accept you as you are, because the word accept puts out a uh, thing that there is something wrong with you, but I'm going to overlook it and still be present with you. So things like othering, normalizing, accepting are kind of tricky little words if you think about how they might play out in a conversation with your kid. And kids pick up on all of these subtleties when they're looking mm -hmm. for support and love from you. They I know. Do, they look for these things. If you were watching a TV show and there was a gay character and you're like, oh, we don't watch that, you just switch the channel really quickly, your kid is going to notice. And they're going to pick up on this and they're going to be like, oh, so in my family, we don't believe in gay. We don't believe in this idea. We, we don't support that. And so I think it's really, really vital and important for parents. You don't need to walk around at eggshells, but you need to open up and really look at how does the way I view the LGBTQ community influence and affect how my kids are growing up and how is it going to be a safe environment for them to come out? Does that make sense? It does. But then what do we do instead? Like, um, so, so here's what I hear you saying, right? You're saying um, essentially when we're saying we normalize it or otherize it, we're saying, okay, we're picking out that thing and saying it's not normal, but I'm going to be willing to accept you. when the I'm going to learn how to make it normal. And what I suggest is what if the idea is that your LGBTQ kid is actually going to expand your universe? Okay. What if they get to show you things that you have never experienced? Oh. Um, I think it's really fascinating is that kids today are very, very um, cognizant of um, gender identity. Yeah, I'm, yeah 100%. Most people are listening, probably grew up. It's like, are you male or are you female? And nobody looked at anything else. And what's really exciting is kids are saying there's male, there's female, and there's all this other space in between and around. And for me, as someone who works with these kids, I actually find it really exciting to hear all of the ways they're exploring gender identity, to mm -hmm. not just stay with the status quo, but to expand their minds, expand their universes, and be able to question some of these pieces of the puzzle that we have sat in assumption with for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of exciting. I think it's powerful. Well, then is there a need to come out? Well, there are a couple of different philosophies about it. And the thing that's really important to understand is, yes, there is a need to come out. And the reason being is to create visibility and presence in the world. So that expansion can continue to happen. And the idea of coming out is a really beautiful rite of passage for us as LGBTQ people. Um, if you think about it, a lot of times, like if I say I'm gay, someone's first brain thought is, oh, you sleep with men. Well, in the coming out process, I have actually had to go through all of these amazing, wonderful internal experiences. I've had to look inside and had to figure out who I am, where I place myself in the world. I've had to look at issues of safety in simple moments as I'm walking through my life. I've had to look at, do I come out at work? Do I not come out at work? Because we're coming out as a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. So this is a thing that we call essentialism. And in coming out, I get to deepen the essence of who I am. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times when kids first come out, the number one thing they are is gay. 
Okay. It's like, look, I'm gay. But over time, like if I describe for myself, you know, I'm a therapist, I'm a husband, I'm a dog owner, a gardener, a yoga teacher, a baker, and I'm gay. Yeah, exactly. And we bring it into the essence of who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the coming out process is a huge piece of that puzzle for, for, for LGBTQ kids. Yeah. And I guess that the reason I ask you about the, the coming out is not that you would hide it, more that you would, um, like, I didn't have to come out because I'm straight, mm-hmm. right? So why do you have to come out? Because you're gay, right? Uh, and and it's ne- it never enters the conversation, you know, when I say my husband, uh, mind you, I guess if I said my wife, then you would know. But, you know, um, yeah, like I, I still feel there's sort of this little gray area there, right? Or no, think, or am I wrong? But I think it's also powerful to understand that each LGBTQ person is going to have very different feelings about this. Yeah, so for okay. myself. You know, I am very highly visible to the public. I'm an educator, an advocate, an activist in the community. Um, You know, I use the word queer to describe myself because that really does take on more of this social justice energy. It's about taking the word queer, which was used to demoralize the community Mm -hmm. in the past and take ownership of it. So I use that for myself. Mm -hmm. My husband, on the other hand, would describe himself as gay. And he's much more about the idea of just like living a pleasant life, being happy as who he is, um, enjoying us as a couple and the house and the dog and all of those things that we've created around ourselves. Mm. Each person in the LGBTQ community is going to have their own version of how they want to present in the world. And that's another piece that's really important in coming out is to have visibility, to see mm. that there are going to be people of all different expressions, communities, that there are going to be Catholic gay men, there are going to be Hispanic, bisexual people, that to understand that the more visibility there is, the more space there is to celebrate and, 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 and mm-hmm. just be intoxicated with the amazing, amazing experience of our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, and okay. So let's, let's talk about the, the sort of the lingo here, because that, that I think is something important. Um, you said cisgender, to describe mm-hmm. your parents, I've never heard that before. So let's let's just start from the beginning. LGBTQ, <laughs> which I uh, I was even tripping over that just because it's a mouthful. But um, so lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer. Uh-huh. Okay, yay! Yay! Congratulations, uh, A plus. Okay, and so- just for parents who are listening, why don't we just break it down a little bit? Because okay, there are sure, probably yeah. some parents right now whose like brains just exploded. You're like, wow, Robin's so woke. What are they talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you're the expert. I don't need to talk anymore. Take it away. (laughs) Okay, so if we begin with um, L. L is for lesbian, and lesbian is usually a female-identified person who's attracted to another female-identified person. And for me, I like to go really deep with this definition, both physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and sexually. So that there are all kinds of different layers on how we are attracted to person. It's not just because I want to sleep with someone of the same gender. Okay. So usually the word gay is applied towards men. Um, It used to be for the whole community, but what we found is that most lesbians did not feel that their needs would be addressed by the gay community. And so most females will identify as lesbian. Oh, interesting. Okay. So gay would be a man who once again is socially, emotionally, physically, mentally, intellectually, sexually attracted to another male identified person. 
A bisexual person is someone who is attracted to people of multiple genders. So that they are looking more, I often have people describe to you, they're looking more at the spirit and energy of the person than they are looking at the actual gender of the person. And all of those things of emotional, spiritual, intellectual, all apply into that as well too. Okay. So, so transgender. So a transgender person is a person whose identity is different from the one that they were assigned at birth. Now, there's a lot in that sentence. Let me break it down. <laughs> when kids are born, we're going to go back to like the kid that we're going to go back to like the covered wagon time. The baby's born, they come out, the doctor slaps the button and announces it's a boy, it's a girl. Yeah. And that's simply based by the showing of external genitalia. Okay. That's where that decision is made. But what we understand is that the definition of sex is not just biological. It has so many layers to it. It's an internal process of how we walk through the world. Stories of masculinity, femininity are all created by a social construct. How we as a society have decided males are supposed to be and females are supposed to be. And I can give you a, the quickest example of how big those social constructs are. You ready? I'm ready. Quiz, Robin. Okay. I'm um, racing. No, you're good. Okay. <laughs> what color is for boys? Blue. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. But here's an interesting thing. I was playing along. I was playing along. <laughs> but if you look back, and it's so fascinating, into like older paintings and stuff, like pictures of kids christening or young boys like in, in Europe and stuff, pink was actually the masculine male color at that time. So it's interesting how our social contracts said boys are blue, blue girls are pink. So that's part of how this social construct works. Mm -hmm. The thing to understand when we talk about transgender is it's a big umbrella for right. a place where we have non-binary, non-gender conforming. So there's all kinds of levels and layers that play in there. And just to give a hint for parents, if you're getting overwhelmed and confused by this, if you go to pflag.org, it's parents and friends of lesbians and gays, and they realize that they, their title doesn't say transgender, but they're a really amazing parent support organization. They have some great materials for parents that can help you see and understand all of these different facets of who your kids are. Yeah, yeah. I said the word cisgender earlier and your eyes crossed a little bit. They did. So what, this what, one's what, really what? simple. This is so simple. So for years, we did talk about transgender people. And what it did though, it was an othering thing. There was everybody and transgender people. Right, yeah. So now the everybody is cisgender. And what that simply does is going back to the Latin. So the prefix for cis means on the same side of, okay? So cisgender means that I am on the same side. So my assigned birth sex aligns with my, my gender identity. Trans, the prefix simply means on the other side. And so that means that my assigned birth sex is not in alignment with my gender identity. And that's all it is. It's very simple. Okay. Okay. But what about non-binary and gender non-conforming? What, what do those mean? So in that case, the best way I love to describe it, you know, when you are working in a Word document and mm -hmm. you want to change the color of a sentence and mm -hmm. you highlight it and then you go into the thing, it says colors. And then at the bottom, it says more colors. And that beautiful expansive wheel comes up that has yeah. all those rainbow colors in it. That's what I talk about when we look at non-gender conforming and non-binary. 
These are kids, people who are saying, it's not all about a binary. It's not all about black and white. It's not all about zeros and ones. That there is this amazing space in between where we can discover aspects of our gender identity that don't fit into those little check boxes of male and female on the forms that we fill out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, well, yeah, that just happened in the last 10, 15 years. No, actually what we understand is that there have been multiple descriptions of gender that go back thousands of years really? in all kinds of cultures around the world. And mm-hmm. I haven't looked for a while, but NPR used to have this amazing world map. And it was basically about the different ways um, gender is recognized in culture around the world. And you could pull up this map and click on any country and it would say like in India, there are five representations of gender that have been there for over 5,000 years. If you went to Japan, it could look at you know, these representations. Really cool, cool, cool map. I haven't looked for a little bit, so I don't know if it's still up, but it's important for everyone to understand when, it was, when people are talking about this idea that all this gender exploration, it's something new. This is what, oh, this is ridiculous. These kids are going crazy. It's been around for thousands of years in society and it is just another awakening and exploration of the more of this that we can be. Thank you for saying that. I think that's a really important point. I really do, is to say that this isn't just a modern problem, air quotes used. Um, it's not, it's, it, it, I love that you just said that. And, you know, look, I, I want to share with you something um, about my own life and, and, and uh, which will lead me into my next question. So I, uh, my best friend from high school was a girl and uh, like best friend, we were inseparable. And, um, and, and still to this day, I've really never had a friend as close or as good as my friend, Cheryl. And, uh, and my friend Cheryl was gay. And um, I went to her wedding. She she married a, a lovely woman um, a few years ago, and um, and so I I, I kind of always knew that she was gay, uh, and so through my experience with her and her, um, you know because we were so inseparable, I would go to the gay clubs with her. I would do, you know, as we were, we were after high school and that sort of thing. Um, and what I saw was a lot of pain from people whose parents rejected them. I really saw that. And I, and, and the vow that I made to myself at that time and made sure that my husband was on board before we even had kids is that, no matter what, we would accept our child because I saw the pain. I saw drug abuse. I saw alcoholism, um, you know, abuse of alcohol and drugs because of the pain. And of course, that was my, you know, sort of early 20s, teenage sort of view of it, but it really stuck with me. So, uh, and and my friend, uh, Cheryl, is now named Easton. So, hey, Easton, if you're listening, um, Easton now uh, identifies as a male. So, you know, I have seen this play out in, you know, in my own life and, um, and, and been there to sort of see how, how it all works. And look, it's not easy for me to say he instead of she. It's, you know, uh, so, so I get it. it. It's not easy. And there is going to be some parents listening and maybe even some parents that won't listen because they are not okay with this. They're not okay with it, A, because it scares them, right? They think that their child will, you know, have a harder life or it doesn't, it doesn't align with their beliefs, their religion. So what do you say about that? 
Wow. Okay. That's a fully loaded question. So I'm going to break it down into a couple of parts. I do think it's important for parents, whether they're affirming or whether this is the most fearful thing they've ever, ever pushed against, to understand that LGBTQ adolescents have one of the highest suicide rates of any adolescent population. It can range anywhere, depending on the studies you look at, from 25 to 35%. The national average is more towards 12 to 14% for all teens. So you have to understand that it's almost a double the rate of suicidality amongst LGBTQ kids. We also understand that in cases of rejection or not being able to come out or feeling unsafe in their community, they tend to be much more highly susceptible to drug and alcohol use and they also are much more susceptible in an unaccepting environment to have unsafe sexual practices, which puts them at, at risk for STIs and HIV. Yeah. Okay. So parents on, on just a kind of a little bit like shaking up your, your heart level here, there are a lot of negative things that can happen if you're not able to support your kid coming out. Mm. The other thing that's really important, and we know this, this has been studied, if that one adult in their world is able to support them, that those rates drop dramatically for suicidality, for drug and alcohol use, for um, unsafe sexual practice, just one adult. Now the thing is, it may not always be a parent. Sometimes it's a school teacher, sometimes it's a coach, sometimes it's a favorite aunt. But we do know that kids who get support have a much safer journey through this process. The other thing that's so important to understand is as a parent, you are going to have really deep feelings about this. You are. And it's going to push against the fabric and the structure of how you were raised, the society you live in, even the town you live in. It's going to push yeah. against that really hard. I do encourage all of my families to make sure and take some time before you make really big blanket statements. Okay. So if your kid comes out and your initial thing is get out of my house, I encourage you, no matter how hard you want to say that to pause it, mm. get away, take a breath. Thank you for sharing. I need a little space, walk away from the moment and then check in with your partner, check in with your pastor, check in with yourself, give yourself some time and space to really evaluate what you're feeling. And now to the religion question. I was so blessed, and unfortunately I cannot remember her name right now, but there mm -hmm. is this amazing pastor that I met with, um, and she is in, I believe, Austin, Texas. And her kid came out to her, and she had a lot of fearful energy come up for herself. And over time, she found her way through that. And she's actually a leading, leading proponent of religious families supporting their LGBTQ mm -hmm. kids coming out. And the one thing that she always asks parents to do is if you are feeling this fear, this anger, this hatred towards your child, mm -hmm. I want you to go away. And I want you to pray to your God, not to your church, not to your church leader, not to your church community. But I want you to say a prayer to your God and ask them, what do I do? And she said, in almost every case, and I've used this with my parents too, is they come back and the message I got was simply to love my child. That was it. That when they prayed individually in that one-on-one -on -one relationship with their God, 
the message that almost every single one of them got back is love your child. It's that simple. Yeah. And I share that so often because I think it's so important for parents to understand that often the fear that you're facing is about religion, religious leaders, or religious community. It's not about your personal relationship with your God yeah. and that relationship with your child. And now yeah, we're both teared up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally, totally. I have Kleenex here. Um, that's really beautiful. And that's all they want. That's all they want. They just want to be loved. They want to be um, affirmed, right? That's the difference between accepting, it's affirming, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Robin gets an A plus. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't always have the answers and obviously don't, even though I have that experience, I, I don't know the best thing to do. And, uh, and that's really beautiful um, because the costs are too high, right? <laughs> the costs are too high. And um, yeah, I think that, I think that's really, really, wow. That's really, really important. Um, and, and I think you've got to be real with yourself that you kind of, uh, like you make it about you and that's what we don't want to do. Right. Like this is about, Oh, who's going to, who's going to say that? Like, who's going to say what to me or now they're not going to welcome me at church. In fact, I remember my dad, um, my, so my friend and I, uh, we were, we were in the pride parade together and I was on the back of her bike and, uh, we were seen on TV. The local TV station had us, um, like in the background. And my dad said to me, Oh, Robin, you know, what, what are my, what are my friends going to say? I was like, dad, like, who cares? I don't care about your friends. Like it was crazy, but so interesting as, you know, well, I guess he wasn't, I mean, I, I never even would have, well, gosh, I, I don't even know now. I don't but even know if I, he would have been accepting or not, but, but actually, yeah, I think, I think I would have been scared of that back then. But the thing that's so important to understand is that it is coming out is a family process. Yeah, I think your story is a great transition to that piece of the puzzle. So yeah. when your kid comes out to their parents, they have been processing for a while, as I mentioned earlier. For parents, it's a new piece of information. Okay, we've got it. Yeah. Slow down. Talk yes. Talk to your partner, talk to each other, talk to how we want to be present with this. Then before you run off and are like, this is so cool, our kid's gay, and you start telling aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa, check in with your kid. They uh -huh. are the ones in charge of their coming out story. Ah, I love it. And it's a family process. Coming out involves every single person in the family, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, everyone in that nuclear family is part of the coming out process. Yeah. I think it's important to sit down with your kid and see where they're at in a moment. I have lots of kids who come out and for them, it's about coming out to a very small nucleus of the family. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I mean, we're going to Christmas with, um, at grandma's house. Should we come out? It's like, no, I'm not ready to do that. Right. And that needs to be respected. Yes. So oh, it's important yes. to understand that this is a layered process. Mm. And, and not every family member is safe mm -hmm. to, to, to come out to. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is when everyone's going through the coming out process together, for all of my clients, we look at safety first. It's yeah. so important to understand. It's like, I understand that you want to go to school dressed as your affirmed gender. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that we find ways for you to do that safely for mm -hmm. you to step forward in that world and not put yourself in a, a harmful place. And so many of the schools that I work with, 
have amazing, amazing safe zone practices in place. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we often do is with the kids' permission, we connect the school counselor. <coughs> Excuse me. We um, find who can be an ally on campus for them. So if they're having a rough day, they can go and sit in, you know, like the math teacher's office during office hours and just be safe and take a breath for a moment. We find out how to create powerful languaging for the school. In the state of California, in public schools, um, you're actually required to, uh, to address the kid in their affirmed language and their affirmed name. And so these are all pieces of the puzzle that can be worked out. And I encourage that it takes, it takes connecting when the kid's ready to make mm-hmm. that space safe for them. Yeah. That's, that's so great. And look, it, it, I think it requires adults, like, got to put your, you got to just get over your, yourself and just be there for your child, right? You really do. Um, but it's also a learning process. So I think maybe, you know, would you say, you know, asking for a little bit of grace from your child too, like, you know, would be helpful? Like, okay, look, I, I'm, I, I, you know, I love you. I love you. I love you. I want to support you. I want to affirm you. And I'm going to make some mistakes. Can I have some grace? Can I have some, um, you know, permission to make a mistake and not have you hate me? You know? <laughs> well, you know, I, and let me just give parents this, this thought. I work in this community full time and I make mistakes all the time. And I'm always <laughs> like, oops, sorry about that. And they're like, mm. and they give me that look and we go on. It's okay. Yeah, Own okay. your mistakes. Don't make it a big deal. Don't make it about you. Just yeah. say, oops, sorry. And how can I support you? And tell me more about your journey. Mm. And that's so important. And I do think it's important for parents to educate themselves, but not expect their kids to be the one who educates them all the time. Oh. Going to the resource from earlier, PFLAG, Trevor Project, Human Rights Campaign, all of these places have really good information for parents to learn more about some of the most basic topics we're covering today. And parents, go out, get yourself informed, get knowledge, get information, rather than turning your, to your kid to educate you. Because guess what? They are still teenagers and they don't necessarily have all the answers. But the more you choose to educate yourself and then when they come to you and you're like, aha, I know, I know what the term transfer is. Yeah. Hey, okay. Cool. I'm with it. I'm going to blow someone's mind uh, with cisgender. Just you wait. Uh-huh. I can't wait. <laughs> Almost every time I do a public speaking event and I use the word cisgender, people get really offended. And then I explain what it is. They're like, oh, oops. <laughs> is it appropriate for me to say, well, you know, as a cisgender or I am cisgender? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. Can't wait to blow some minds um, at how woke I am. That's right. That's how woke I am. Okay. You know, I think this has been so great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of this in the show notes for everybody. So we've got uh, pflag.org, the Trevor Project or Trevor Project. We'll we'll get all the the links right and Human Rights Campaign Uh, and any other resources that you can share with us, John, would be so, so welcome. Um, And can I ask one last question? And I hope this Absolutely. isn't a big long, you know, here's, here's where my head goes to, right? And you kind of said it early on, gay, I sleep with men. Um, like, this isn't just about sex, but, but 
that's kind of where people go, right? And and I I am of the mind it's nobody's business what happens in anybody's bedroom anyway, other than the people who are there. But that's where our heads are going to go as parents. We're going to freak out maybe a little bit. Like, how are you going to stay safe? How do I know what you're doing? So how do you talk about sex with your child who's gay, <laughs> who's lesbian, who's non-binary, who's, uh, yeah, all, all those. All, yeah, okay. yeah. How? So let's talk about educate first. And okay. I'm going to give you one more resource. This is actually designed for adolescents, but parents can go in there and learn a lot themselves. It's called, you know Scar- what? <laughs> that's a great called idea. Scarlet Teen. And on Scarlet Teen, these are these beautiful things that it's basically a Q&A type uh, blog. And people ask, how do I have sex as a non-binary person? How do I ask someone out if I'm gay and I don't know if they are? And it's really cool. And I send a lot of my teens there for a lot of their questions. Um, I am a sex educator as well. So I feel comfortable having my conversations with kids, but most parents don't. So why not sneak into their world and go on to someplace like Scarlet Teen and really get the dope on what's going on? And it's a really cool and very eye-opening place to go because it's very, very upfront about all of this. The other thing, though, that I really, really encourage with parents is it's not just about the physical act of sex. We can find ways to educate our kids about sexual practices. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's about the deeper, I'm going to call it a philosophical approach to sex. What I see happen a lot um, is that families will have two children. Maybe an example would be like they have an 18 year old and a 16 year old. Mm-hmm. And the 18 year old is a straight male cisgender and around 16 or so he gets a girlfriend. And the parents love the girlfriend and the girlfriend comes over for dinner all the time and hangs out. And then over time, the girlfriend actually spends the night. A lot of parents kind of follow that path sometimes in supporting their kids. Mm-hmm. Then their 16 year old comes out as gay and they're like, okay, cool. And they work through it and they are supportive and loving and kind. And then their 16 year old starts dating. For most parents, that moment when their child dates is when everything becomes more real. Yeah, I bet. Because up until then, it's been very like, oh, okay, intellectual ephemeral. But then the 16-year-old boy brings his boyfriend home for the first time. It's like record scratches. Okay? Yeah. So the music stops and everyone has to reset again. But then (laughs) over time, this kid like starts and the family loves the kid and barbecues and family dinners and comes over and gets Christmas presents. And then the gay kid wants his boyfriend to spend the night. And the parents say, absolutely not. I see this all the time. Yeah. What I encourage in parents is treat your kids equally. Mm. You may not understand that your gay kid is interested in having sex with his boyfriend. You may not be able to fathom it in your brain. But if you let the 18-year-old, when he was 16, sleep with his girlfriend and have her spend the night, you yeah. need to treat your kids equally. Just because it's something that you don't quite understand does not mean you're allowed to change that philosophical stance in the house. Wow. So, so good. That's, that's great. What a great answer. Um, and at the same time, if you're a parent who says, nope, no partner spend the night, then yeah. be equal in that too. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Right. Just be consistent yep. with one as, as you would the other. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. John, you are a wealth of information. I can tell you that as soon as um, I was so excited to talk to you as, you know, as soon as you reached out, I was so excited because this is, um, this is a topic that we need to talk about. We need to talk about it and we just need to know what's going on 
so that we can be the best parents we can be for our kids because we want them to thrive in this world. And, you know, it's not always easy. And let's do the best that we can because we love our kiddos so much, right? And connection is everything. And we know the stronger connected we are to our kids, the, 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 the better assurance we all have for long-term well-being ourselves and our kids and our kids need us they need us so much especially when we are we are in a position where we want to affirm their sexuality their identity right absolutely yep couldn't have said it better myself oh thank you so much for being here thank you for sharing all of this wisdom and we'll get those uh, all of those links for all those parents who are who are listening to every word that we're saying here Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.